Welcome to Buy, Grow, Sell, the podcast for entrepreneurs looking to acquire, grow, or exit a business, hosted by Simon Bedard. Hey there, it's Simon Bedard here. If you're brand new to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast, then welcome. It's great to have you on this journey. Since its launch, I've interviewed many entrepreneurs that have bought, grown, or sold a business. And in some cases, they've completed all three steps and started all over again. Our goal is to share the stories of business owners that have traveled at least part of this cycle so that we can learn from their experience. Whether it's the dizzying heights of success or the hard lessons learned through adversity, we get to the heart of what drives success and how to apply these lessons on your journey. So join us for the best insights, interviews, and inside information on how to buy, grow, and sell a business straight from the entrepreneurs who've lived and breathed it. I really think you're going to enjoy today's episode. Wesley Matthews is our latest guest, and we have a really frank conversation about his entrepreneurial journey. Wesley founded a company called High Level Marketing in 2009 with his business partner. Like many businesses, they had their ups and their downs, but they managed to grow the business over an 11-year period before entertaining acquisition discussions from a strategic partner. Like many entrepreneurs, Wesley wasn't necessarily wanting a new partner, but like so many of us, reassessed his situation through COVID. In the end, they partnered with a company called Bell Media, which helped them catapult revenue to over $20 million and build the team to over 100 employees. Wesley talks through how he was able to scale the business so quickly and why a change in management framework and a switch to EOS, which stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System, helped shift the business in the right direction. He also explains how COVID helped him gain clarity on whether a strategic partner was the right move for his company. What is interesting is that Wesley remains part of the new venture as their chief revenue officer, where he's focused on scaling the business to even greater heights. This is Wesley Matthews. Hey, Wes, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you, Simon? Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No, very, mate. Thank you for making the time. We really appreciate it and, and very looking forward to hearing your story. So, mate, tell us a little bit about high level marketing. Yeah. So, high level marketing, we are a digital marketing company. So, founded the company back in 2009. Uh, simple solution being that, you know, the search engines were kind of coming online, things were starting to happen digitally. And I, I just found an opportunity to help small businesses with their website and their digital marketing. So, it was really kind of an up and coming thing. Nobody really knew where the market was headed. So, you know, I think I was 24, 25 at the time. I'm like, well, people will take me serious at this age in tech, you know, with websites and that kind of thing. So it started there just to create a solution for small to mid-sized companies. Again, I kind of looked at the market and said, hey, like every business needs a website and everybody, every business needs digital marketing. So it seemed like a really good opportunity and, and the timing worked out perfect. Yeah, awesome. Was was there something that kind of led you to to kind of getting into marketing or was it just that you kind of had this moment and saw the opportunity? Yeah, you know, I've always been like, uh, I've always had a, like a strong sales background and I actually was moonlighting uh, after school for a web company from, from a gentleman from high school. And, uh, you know, I just love the idea around meeting, like you could meet 10 lawyers, but they all did business a little bit different. And that was really interesting to me. And I just loved being around entrepreneur like minded individuals so yeah. that was a that was a really great thing for me just to you know 
and everybody just had so many questions. They didn't know where to go. And I'm like, this is kind of easy for me. Like, it's an easy thing for me to communicate and kind of connect people. And so it kind of just started there and kind of morphed into what it is today. Yeah, yeah, cool. I, I had my own business back in 2009 as well. And I, I must say, I remember um, talking to all sorts of marketing experts about, well, you know, this whole SEO thing and pay-per-click was becoming this new term. And 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 it was kind of like the dark arts of marketing, you know, it was this black box of mystery, you know, and, and so sure. I can I can <laughs> I can see why you know your your business has, has done so well. It's just you know there's the the, the technology is moving so fast, everything's evolving. You know, you're good at building and selling widgets, for example. We can't be experts at everything, right? Yeah, you know, I think in the marketplace, you know, even at the time and even today, there's a lot of marketing companies. There's a lot, a lot of web companies out there, but. Trust, you know, building the trust and transparency just really didn't exist. Every customer, every prospect I was talking to, they were upset with their marketing company. They like nobody set any expectations. They're spending money and they're not, you know, to them, they're not getting anything in return. So, you know, I saw that as a big opportunity and, you know, it, it's still a big opportunity today. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, it's, um, you know, where, where are we in the life cycle? I mean, I think everybody's, you know, gotten on to the idea that a website's a requirement many years ago, right? I mean, it's all these sort of other things that are be- becoming really common terminology, right? I mean, you know, I must admit, I still go out there and I still see businesses that don't have CRMs and I'm like, what? How can you not have a CRM, right? Like, whereas go back 10 years and the term CRM wasn't all that common either. <laughs> yeah, if you would ask me 10 years ago where I'd be in 10 years, I would have thought that, hey, within five years, like, we're just not going to be able to get more business and and it could be further than the opposite of that now. I mean, we're busier now than we've ever been in our entire history. Yeah, that's cool. Congratulations. Um, so you, you founded the company in 2009 on your own. Did you have a business partner? What, what, what did that look like? Yeah, so you know, so I had, I had an experience with this web, a local web company. And one of the challenges was every customer I brought to the door, to the table, um, they did a terrible job from a fulfillment perspective. So I sort of watched this company flounder around and I'm like, it's you either you have choices and you can either do a good job or a bad job. And they both take hard work. And I'm yeah. like, there's got to be an easier way. So I took one of the developers and I created my own platform, did that for a couple of years, had some difficulty finding the right type of software guy to kind of help drive it forward. Right. So everything I did was so software dependent and I don't really know web that well. I know the sales and the ops and how to kind of grow. But I found my my partner he actually took him on as a client and uh, he was a web manager at a, a large local uh, wireless chain. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was the web manager there. He had one foot out the door. Long story short, it was like, hey, let's come to get why don't we just come together 50-50 business partners and let's just grow this thing. And we kind of had the a shared vision and yeah, we just we started and took off from there. So we were you know, we weren't friends beforehand and we were sort of like a really good yin and yang. So yes. later through our career, our later, you know, seven years into our business relationship, we really, you know, we invested in EOS. I don't know if you're familiar with EOS, the entrepreneur operating system. So yep. it just kind of like we complemented each other so well. We weren't stepping on each other's toes and crashing in each other's lanes. We were just yep. like, let's focus and grow the organization. So it, it worked yeah. out really well. Nice, nice. I'm curious that that initial stage of the, the relationship, it's it's a challenging one, right? I mean, I, I see people who go into business with friends and that kind of can turn out badly and other ways it yeah. turns out great because they knew each other and they knew each other's strengths and weaknesses and they were kind of cool with it. I mean, I'm curious as to how you felt at the time. I mean, I know sometimes with startups, you're like, well, it's a startup and we're not really got a lot to lose here and so maybe the risk doesn't appear to be too big. But picking a business partner, 
can be the make or break, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things that kind of attracted me to him is he had a custom uh, CRM and a custom, like, basically, basically at the time, there's like Joomla, sort of like a WordPress, like a, a web platform. He had that himself. He built something and he was talking to me about, like, he created he created it so like his mom could go in there and manage a website, which I thought was very interesting at the time. And what I, what I soon learned about him, he had a handful of clients and they were all upset because he wasn't able to fulfill on the customer service side. I knew he was a great software guy and a great programmer, which usually means they're not, those types aren't typically great on the customer service and following up. So I kind of saw that as an opportunity to say, look, I have all these customers and I need fulfillment and I need somebody who I can count on and grow with and just go, crazy as an entrepreneur. And he had these clients and he's like, well, I think they're happy, but I, you know, I haven't returned their phone call in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, holy cow. So it just sort of, I knew that the relationship was like, he was very specific on technology and I wasn't, I didn't care. I'm like, here's a really smart guy that can really own this side of it. And it's equally as important as the operation and the scalability of the sales and the customers and all that. So it was sort of like, let's divide and conquer and see what happens. And, you know, through serendipity, I mean, we had each gone through our own iteration of like trying different things ourselves, you know, doing deals with other people and none of them worked. And when we got together, like something just clicked where, you know, we were just able to go. And I think it helped that, you know, quite frankly, that we didn't know each other or we we weren't friends because the focus was like, I mean, to be honest at, at, you know, back in 2009, it's let's make as much money as possible. Like, let's just make a ton of cash. Um, and it was kind of, you know, it's, it's cool to see the evolution of where we went for the last 11 and a half, 12 years from there. Yeah, the, the, the relationship evolves and takes on its own life, right? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, did, did you guys, out of interest, I mean, our, our core business, mm-hmm. uh, Exit Advisory Group, you know, we help people with exit strategies and we do business sales acquisition, all that sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm always interested, you know, seeing how business relationships form and evolve. And, and I'm curious, not, not a lot of people necessarily start with the end in mind. I know when I was 20-something or other, I certainly wasn't starting things with the end in mind. It's, you know, as you say, you're plowing forward for things. Yeah. I'm curious, though, did you ever have a discussion in the early days about yeah. where yeah, we, I mean, we all, Yeah, we always had like, uh, and we were in lockstep about that. I mean, we always had this vision of like one day we're just going to be able to sell this company and it'll be like our last hurrah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so we would always go back to that. And quite honestly, like as we grew the company, he and I could always go in a room together and we'd look at each other and be like, what the hell is going on? Like, we have to stop and like, we could have real conversations with each other. Cause I mean, what, you know, up last year, I mean, we had about 50 employees, a leadership team, and we fully implemented EOS. So we have like, it's a real business, a real structure. I mean, we're just two entrepreneurs that happen to say, Hey, let's just do this together. Now all of a sudden it's like, we've got 50 people and there's millions of dollars and all these decisions are happening. So we would always kind of like reminisce and talk about, you know, Hey, this, and, and I was always very bullish on that. And I, I remember very early on, just thinking in the back of my mind, like, by the time I'm 40, I kind of pictured myself being out because yeah. I never thought I would have a 10-year run. I just didn't think it was possible. I mean, I don't know what this odds or the statistics are about but businesses failing. And, you know, I just never dwelled on that. But to be honest with you, what actually happened, which led to this acquisition seven months ago, uh, was the whole mindset that, you know, my partner kind of waved that white flag a little burnt out. And he said, hey, you know, if I had X amount of dollars, I, I might really tap out right now. And that yeah. stuck with me through COVID. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a visionary guy. Like when things get in my head or I see things and I want, like, I make things happen. And sure enough, he planted that seed and it, the perfect storm and timing. And that's that's exactly what we did. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's cool. It's, um, you know, we can unpack this perhaps a little bit if we've got the time, but it's been an interesting period through COVID and looking at all the M&A deals going on, the amount of capital sloshing around in the, in the economy. It's, it's been a fascinating time full of, full of counterintuitive outcomes, <laughs> I'll say. But um, so, um, so that's cool. So you guys actually had, had had a conversation around, well, the end game looks like a sale eventually. And I, I don't know if you had a, had a number in mind, but um, you know, while you're traveling along this journey, did you ever start thinking about yeah. you know, what that looked like? You know, I think as as business owners, and you always hear of like multipliers of EBITDA or like somebody watches Shark Tank, you know, the reality <laughs> is like, that's what I was always thinking. But then when I actually got into it and started to really understand multipliers and true EBITDA and ad backs and reality, like that kind of set in. So like, as we started to have the discussions, I mean, what we did in this transaction is, is sort of a, a two-step process. So we actually didn't sell the entire company. And what we did is we rolled that into the new entity of which is still our my company, High Level Marketing, and uh, so really it was a scale it was a, a scale play. Yes. You know, we we, re- we realized that in order to get to the next level, we have to move from an entrepreneurial ran company to a professionally managed. And I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I was CEO of my company because, quite frankly, like I don't know if anybody could take it out of my hands. But <laughs> in my heart of hearts, like I thought I was doing a good job. But I think as a leader, as a CEO, and an entrepreneur. I was my biggest critic and I was really hard on myself, questioning my own ability. Like, you know, we're only doing six and a half million. We should be at 10 million. Like maybe it's me. Maybe I need to get a really, a real guy in here. But the opportunity for like the next phase was either take capital and inject capital and let's just keep doing what we're doing or align ourselves with a strategic partner who's doing the same type of work we are. And that's essentially what we did. So really the play was, you know, if we can take some chips off the table today, but then also really work on the second swing, the second bite. That was really motivating for us. And I think that I was getting a little burnt out with the business, just kind of like, look, I mean, I, I hate to say it, it sounds terrible, but like, you know, we're, we, we were, we always grew Inc. 5,000 every year, but it just didn't feel right. And I, you know, I started to shift my entrepreneurial mindset to like, I was really about the team and opportunity and like looking three to five years out. And I just, I had this, feeling in my stomach, like, man, if we just, if we don't do anything, like it's not going to last forever. And, you know, through serendipity and just weird things, like I, I I had the opportunity to meet Bell Media. That's the company that we partner with and everything just sort of fell into place. Like what they lacked, we had what, what, you know, we lacked, they like, it was just this really nice fit. And uh, so it, it, it re-engaged and reinvigorated myself and my partner. I think my partner, saw me get excited again. Cause it, you know, for a couple of years, like we, we got to the point where we had a, a leadership level, we had some executives and like mm. things just got like, it kind of got out of control and we kind of yeah. lost touch. We would always like group back and say, man, like, are you really feeling this right now? Like I'm not. And we kind of would always find ourselves pulling out and looking yeah. at each other being like, man, I just, I, things just don't feel right. It, it's awesome that you had a relationship that you can do that, right? The ability to stop and go, "Hey, it's okay to actually question this, and and this is a safe environment, right?" and uh, and, yeah. and be able to do that because that can that can scare a lot of business partners. I'm I'm curious, you know, somebody with an entrepreneurial spirit, you know, getting into business is almost easy because you just, you know, you almost can't probably can't stop yourself. But a six and a half million dollar company compared to a you know one million dollar company is usually quite different, right? You as a CEO, you're doing different stuff, and I'm. I'm curious into as to your experience. Is part of that burnout 
um, or that sense of feeling a bit tired because you find yourself doing stuff or having to spend a lot of time doing things that maybe you want, you know, are either not your favorite stuff or just, you know, you, you're just not maybe geared for. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing that happened to me, like what really changed my life as an entrepreneur is I joined EO, the entrepreneur organization. And that, that allowed me to hang out with a lot of like-minded entrepreneurs and just share war stories and like another safe spot to kind of get feedback and experience shares and that kind of thing. Um, you know, for me, we implemented the EOS, you know, Gino Wickman created this thing and that changed my life because I, my life was so chaotic. Like I would always associate like, man, I'm so busy. Or my wife would say, Hey, you know, if we're on vacation, like you must get a thousand emails. Right. I'm like, yeah, like I have so many emails and I'm so busy and so important. And then when I implemented EOS into my life, that really created clarity and created a vision for the, for the organization, because, you know, I'm a visionary. I look around, I used to look around and think like everybody knows exactly what's going on in my head. I would cause massive organizational whiplash. So I was actually kind of able to find and put myself in the right position. However, in, in doing that, the trade-off was then it kind of disconnected me from the business. So I had everybody else running the company and I kind of lost control and lost touch with it. I almost lost reality where, you know, through COVID, I, I was just like golfing every day. And I, you know, we had a beautiful office with a lot of people and there's this energy in our office. And I was going in, you know, pretty much every day just to be around people. Like I need people, I need, I feed off that. And uh, that just went away, completely yeah, wow. away. And, um, you know, and that's where, you know, that that's where I think that the EOS strategy and having leaders, like what my role became when I was at the office is, I actually shared this to some, with somebody today. I said, you know, I'm probably the most successful unlicensed therapist in Michigan, because that's what my job was, right? Like I'm just a relationship guy, you know, I care a lot about my team. You know, there's always the manager, team, teammate re, uh, relationship. But what I would always do is I never talk about KPI or any of that stuff. Like I'm not in the day-to-day. I'm not in the weeds. It's more like, hey, how are you doing? You know, how's mm. the family? Like what's going on? I mean, just really like, but genuinely caring and being authentic. Yeah. And then a lot of people would just use me. I would always say, look, you know, if you have to talk to a challenging customer or you're going to deliver a proposal, like use me as a backboard. Like I'll give you my my honest feedback and you know you can test run me so you know covid covid and, and just a screwy time you know made us question a lot of things and yeah, i mean it it scared me pretty good because I, I remember so we implement eos we do level 10 meetings so every monday you know we, we share a board an executive board and something on there said covid and i'm like click on it, it says virus and we need to talk about this virus that's going to make an impact on the business. And I'm like, yeah, like this is crazy. And then like two weeks later, poof, like our office is shut down. Well, so, yeah. you know, I think as an entrepreneur, like things happen and, you know, thankfully, like I love change. I can embrace change and I can move fast. But, you know, again, I think it made all of our kind of what do we want to do with this organization come to a head. It forced yeah. it. Forced it. If COVID wouldn't have happened, this whole thing wouldn't have taken place. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? How sometimes these changes are forced upon us, and ultimately, I mean, I think we we all heard, we've all heard the expression that you know change is inevitable and it's going to happen. But but it's amazing yet how many of us will still lock down, right, and try to avoid it, or you know, it's uh, yeah. rather than perhaps lean into it. So um, yeah. yeah, no, it's great that you guys were able to to turn that into a positive and use it as a as a positive catalyst for change. And how did you find? I mean, obviously, generally, I you know I think we all had a bit of a COVID experience, and we, as individuals, but as an organization that's now got fifty odd staff and all the rest of it, 
Did you find the change in an organization that size? I mean, it must be different to having 10 people or five people, the two of you, right? I mean, oh yeah. What what did that look like for for the broader organization? So early on, you know, we had a handful of employees and then I went through a phase where I think when we hit like 11 people, I went to like 35 within like six months. It was insane. Wow. Yeah. It was just fly by the seat of our pants. I mean, our training regimen, lack of, like it was just bring bodies in. And what I ended up doing is I leased an office that we we were like renting a a real estate office in a basement. And I remember I, I met this guy to do my will and trust and he's looking around and he's looking at me and he's like, this doesn't make any sense. He's like, you got to look at my building down the road. Like this is, you, you need to leave here like today. So I'm like, yeah, I'll look at your building. And I pull up to this building and it was, I was actually with my wife cause we were doing our will and trust. And, uh, I look at this building and I'm like, holy shit. Like this thing's class a, it's just like beautiful. And I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm going to be able to afford this thing. And this is crazy. He's like, nah, nah, come in. And so long story short, the price is shockingly okay. And I'm like, there's this big empty, you know, area. And I go, man, if you can get, if I can get my sign on this building, massive, I go, I'll sign today. He goes, if you can get it past the city, do whatever you want. Yeah. So I lease this massive office and everybody's like, what are you doing? And it's kind of like, if you build it, they'll come. And I, you know, and that's kind of what we did. It was just like put butts in seats. Let's yep. just get aggressive and keep selling and selling. And, you know, I, I was pretty good until about 12, 35 was chaotic because it was fast. But then yeah. once we put EOS and got the right leaders in place, that was great. So that, you know, taking all the way to end of 2020, I think we're at 48, 49. And now fast forward today, we're at 116. Yeah. Wow. People, you know, wow. teammates. So it's, uh, and I can tell you like from 10 to 11 to 50 was, I, that was okay. The, yeah. the 50 to 115 is, is a completely different ballgame. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm, I'm curious, and uh, there's, oh, I mean, there's so many things I'd love to unpack with you here, but going from that sort of growth, hiring an office, doing, you know, I can imagine people saying, what the hell are you doing, right? There's all this risk. And I mean, you must have had a lot of confidence in your ability to sell. You're already doing yeah. marketing, so clearly you can generate leads. I'm curious, you know, that must have been fairly systemized, that sales process, to give you the confidence to do that. I mean, is that a fair comment? Like, can you t- talk to me about what that looked like? I think from the outside, one would think it was super structured and very process oriented. But, you know, being a true sales guy, like I just break process and, you know, being SEO and like at the time, like a good sales guy never really knew what an outcome would be like. So it was kind of a the wild, wild west. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you, like I was really confident in my in my own ability at the time, because when we first started, I was the main sales guy. So I controlled everything. I put a big quota on my own head and I was like self-sufficient guy. Like I was really like, let's go, let's drive the company, you know, and, and really my model for the business was I wanted volume of clients. I didn't want five clients to control our destiny. I wanted hundreds of thousands of clients. Yes. And uh, my, my model was setup fee and monthly reoccurring behind it. Like that was from day one that I'm like, you, you get a setup fee and you get a monthly payment. I don't care if it's 30 bucks, like, and that helped us grow the headcount of the team because as we're adding on 20,000 of, of reoccurring revenue a month or whatever that number was at the time, it's like, oh, you know, every time I clip like 10,000, I would hire somebody, Yes, you know, and that was my model, right? Like I'm not a, you know, I'm a pretty smart, you know, pretty smart on the financial side, but you know, look, it, it took me six years to go to community college. Like I'm, I didn't leave Harvard with an MBA in finance. It was like just Money's coming in, people, and you know, I'm timing trains. Like I was the finance guy. Like I did all of it, 
And, uh, you know, I think for me, I was just scrappy, not going to give up. And, you know, we never took on capital. I mean, my partner and I invested, I mean, all in, uh, you know, we probably invested a couple hundred thousand dollars each, like over, you know, reinvesting back. Um, but I mean, we were able to kind of bootstrap this thing and let it grow. And just, you know, based on that reoccurring revenue growing every month, we were just able to, you know, and again, my model was like, look, I mean, as long as the team understands and we're growing, things are good. But if we contract a ton of clients, you know, you can do the math. And we, we never had to go backwards. You know, yeah, in awesome. the whole 11 and a half years until we did the deal, we never took a step back. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, you know, I hear you talking about your business here and, it, and it's ringing so many little bells for me. You know, we talk a lot about how to build value in a company and prepare yourself for an exit, whatever that exit might look like. You know, and I hear you know, right business model with recurring revenues, um, yeah. large customer bases, so you're not overly concentrated. Um, you know, were there any other kind of core factors? And, you know, hindsight's a wonderful teacher here too, but were there any other sort of core elements that you think really helped underpin, the, underpin your success? The technology, you know, the technology was a big one. So, I mean, really, if you look at the valuation of our company and what happened, I always told my partner, John, his name's John Bowerman, and I'm like, we have clients, we have revenue, but the real gem is what's behind the curtain on the technology side. And I'm like, this is the real powerful tool that's worth something. And again, I think at the end of the day, right? Cause I had a lot of people around me, great friends, great entrepreneurs. Some people that were entrepreneurs that are like, you should sell, you should add a couple zeros to that, or you're crazy, or why are you selling your baby? And I always think it's about whoever's across the table from you, whether it's you know, a strategic partner is going to be different than private equity or a family office or whomever. And I said, look, you know, when you have an offer in front of you, it's all about what is this relationship going to mean moving forward? And in our case, we have like-minded entrepreneurs about the same. It, it's almost like John and I's story. They had the same story and it, it was happening in Alabama. So I'm like, that's a different deal than just selling to private equity and saying, I'm out. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be completely out. I'm like, I just want to put some things into place and like we can really have some hockey stick growth. And these awesome. guys from a strategic standpoint had that opportunity. If it would have been private equity, I would have added a couple zeros because I would have been out. But again, I think, you know, technology and also people like taking me out of the sales process where everything didn't rely on Wes yep. is huge. The systems, the processes. I mean, we had a couple of people look at us uh, close and outside that said, man, you guys run more efficient than some Fortune 500 companies. We just simple process from, you know, from from intake to delivery to fulfill, you know, all of that was just so sound. So I think when when we started going out there. When my new strategic partner saw that, they're like their their mind was blown, yeah. um, and it made the it made the transition really really easy. Again, I think my 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 situation's unique. They're probably all unique, but I mean, it really was this serendipitous way on how we got together and the synergies we have and how powerful we are together. I mean, that's really what solidified this for me, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. So I'm I'm curious um, to understand how. So so John had mentioned to you, you know that. Or planted the seed that perhaps you know for the right money he yeah. might be willing to go, and so I guess the the, the subconscious starts working away on you know maybe there's sure. a deal out there and we're doing this stuff. What what did that process look like though from that kind of inception to you know eventually Bell coming along or I mean did you go and find them? Did they find you? Was it just great timing? Yeah. What what did that all look like that process? For sure. So you know I up up until I probably get reached out to three to five times a week. Like, hey, we want to buy your company, right? Or, 
Yeah. I've been hired by XYZ private equity firm and we want to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. literally I'm at home, you know, COVID. I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Like I've got a COO who started running things and I'm like, I'm just really bored. And all of a sudden I get this email and it's this guy and he said something, something, blah, blah, like nothing catchy. Just, I want to talk to you about, you know, potentially an exit. And I look at his picture and he kind of looks like uh, Grant Cardone, if you're familiar, 10X. <laughs> Yeah, he's yep. a real loud real estate guy, and he kind of looked yep. like him. And I just I just finished reading Grant's book, and I really liked it. I'm like, huh? So I just replied to this guy. Yeah, and you know, I was like, I'll take a phone call, and I'm talking to him, and I kind of I kind of give him like this crazy like I don't even want to talk to you unless we're in the realm of here, right? And he starts yeah. laughing at me, and like all of a sudden we're like we're <laughs> laughing, and I'm like, man, I kind of like this guy. Most of the time they're kind of you know. This guy, I'm like, I like him. He was no pressure. And I said, look, I'm, I'm not in the market. But again, as an entrepreneur, and we've had the conversation, you know, I'll sell you, I'll sell you anything, right? If the price is right. So I didn't think anything of it. And I, you know, because he was like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, you're this entrepreneur, you have something important. And you're like, you know, basically told him to go, you know, F himself. Yeah. <laughs> he calls me back in three weeks and says, hey, I've got this. There's a guy in Alabama. He's like, you just got to meet him. He's like, I have no strings attached. Well, later did I know he absolutely had this master plan. But he's like, I want you to meet this guy because I had shared. So his name's Todd Tasky, Potomac Capital. Guys, guy was amazing. I had, you know, I told him all my pain points in the business, right? I'm very transparent. I said, here's the three things that are bothering me. So he talks to this guy, Scott Bell, like he was already working with Scott to look for a couple of deals. We, we talk. So me and this guy, Scott, meet on Zoom kind of cool to be in the same industry share war stories like i love that stuff i'm a relationship guy yeah. there's a plenty of business to go around like i could care less and we could share long story short and we just like start talking and then we, i forget like if i told him like here are the top three things that are bothering me and he's like yeah we implemented this change like three years ago and this is what we're doing and i'm like holy shit like one of the things i'm talking about with my leadership team was i was going to invest like a million and a half dollars to really build out our sales intake process and that money was going to come from my pocket and John's pocket or, or raise capital. And that's a lot of money. COVID, I'm like, man, should we be investing all this money right now? And the world's going to blow up. And so there were some other things happening. And so Scott Bell, super professional, buttoned up. And the whole time I'm watching this guy, I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is a, this is a guy that really wants to be a CEO and, he, and he's doing a good job. Like yeah. he had created this company four years after I did. And they, they were almost double the revenue to a certain degree. And I'm, I was like kind of fascinated about that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm starting to like look at him and size him up. And then I meet his COO and I'm like, wow, like this guy is just, this guy's great. Like he's everything in a COO that I've ever wanted. Mm. And Scott started to dump on me some of their challenges. And as mm. I'm listening to that, I'm like, I've got all this stuff that we've done. Like we've already done it. And we have some cool technology because they were operating without a CTO or a big technology component. They were relying on third party and resources. I'm like, that's nuts in this space because you you, you got to have a John because when shit hits the fan, like you, you got to have people in your foxhole that you can count. So it was this really weird, like, okay, there's like some interest and it kind of went on. And Did you, know, you guys and have advisors at that point or was it just, you know, founder to founder kind of? It was founder to founder, right? And then obviously after, so Todd's like, so how'd it go? It's kind of like, you know, my mom, if I went on a date in high school or something like so. What do you think? And I'm like, yeah, inter interesting. I said, I'm not budging on my, I, I was like, I don't even know what this means, but, you know, still kind of gave him this number. You know, we keep the conversation going. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? Like, 
I never thought about like a strategic, like what would this actually look like? And then I started like building models in my head. And I'm like, holy okay, shit. So I'm going like, to ask you then, I'm, I'm sorry to cut across you there, but you, you had a number in your head. Was it, did you just pick a really big number or did you have a methodology? Was it a multiple of EBITDA or something like that? Like what, how did you come up with a number? So I always just had in the back of my mind, right? Like a 10 X multiplier. I mean, I would go 15 because our technology is great. Like that's like any entrepreneur, right? But being yeah. realistic, I had a number in my head because I'm 40 years old. I have four kids. I've been married for 15 years. So I've always had this number where obviously if I could generate enough revenue, you know, in, in a, in, in a, you know, savings or stocks that can produce a certain amount of income where I don't have to worry about anything. That was always the number because it's just now I'm safe and now I can just go freaking nuts. Right. Yeah. yeah of course. Um, <laughs> And, and what I did is I kind of backed off that a little bit because I was like, look, I'm also, I was 39 at the time. I just turned 40 in July. Um, and I'm like, I want to, I still want to stay really hungry. Like, I don't want to like sit in my robe for the next five years or just like lose my passion. And, you know, not that I would, but I, I started creating weird things yeah. in my head. So, you know, <laughs> I, I was able to kind of put something together. So when my, when my partner came to me, he gave me a number, he mm. said a number and I said, okay. And I'm like, look, I go, I have a fiduciary. I said, you know, next to your wife, like we have the closest relationship. And I felt this like overwhelming sense of, I want to get him a deal and I'm going to get a deal and we're going to do this together. And I'm going to fight and get him the exact same thing. So what we designed was, you know, taking some chips off the table, you know, consolidating and, and continuing using high level marketing. And that number he spit out, I hit that number. Yeah, and, awesome. uh, you know, it was like, it was just a good, like, we were able to look at each other. And, and I'll remember, like, we we had dr a drink the day we closed the deal. And it was just like this sigh of relief from the both of us. Because we looked at each other and we're like, we no longer have a fiduciary responsibility to yeah. any of them. And it was, yeah. you know, it, it, got, it, it got hard, right? I mean, we've got some people in our organization making a lot of money. And as we grew and like, yeah, on the outside, we're making all this money. But like, we're comping the team and putting huge bonuses and we have executives making all this money. And we're, we look at each other. We're like, what the hell are we like, what are we do? Like we've lost, I've, we've lost reality here. Mm. So that whole side of like, you know, we no longer had any debt, you know, yeah. no, you know, no active credit card that's being billed a hundred grand every month on God knows. Like, it's just, that's all gone. And yeah. like that, that weight off our shoulders was like, now we have this sum of money, all this weights off our shoulders. And now we have this opportunity to really do what we want with the company. That's what we wanted to do since day one. And we were right. both like, look at each other. Like I'm, I'm as excited as the first month we were in a business. Like yeah. I'm, I'm like alive. So it was, like I said, I mean, I think that, you know, you kind of create your own happiness. Mm. And I, I think in this, it just, it was a lot of wins. Right. And I think for me, yeah. like it, it was really me. I, I had to move from the current state I was in to, to find happiness again. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's, um, that's cool. It's, it's funny how growth and exit are often just flip sides of the same coin, right? Like you, you know, you're dancing the same stuff. It's, um, and it sounds like, you know, you've really, you've really nailed the right part partnership. So, um, so congrats on that. Um, how long did the process take from, from, you know, you've, you've had a first chat with Bell, you know, to the, to the day you signed, you had that drink with John. Yeah. So like, I think I started talking in September. Yeah. Um, I signed a LOI, the letter of intent at the end of October. And we closed the deal at the end of February. We went fast. 
Yeah, yeah, no, so that is goal, pretty great. Yeah. yeah, the goal was, so their fiscal year ended January 1. So we wanted to like, and again, we're taking, a, we have a lot of clients, they have a lot of clients, we want to get everything in order. And it was like, once that LOI was signed, I'm like, the, the main focus was like, let's go, like, let's just get this done as fast as we can. And I think yeah. they too, on their end, like, you know, it's kind of like fishing, right? I think some this this was a wild experience. I mean, I, I was two or three times like this close from walking away from the deal yeah. entirely, yeah. just because things change. And, you know, it really got us to, to really understand each other on both sides of the table. And it was actually a really great experience because I got to learn about these guys and how like when situational things happen and how they react. And it was, it, it was really great, but there was just some things where like, you know, they were stuck on and we're stuck on. I'm like, Hey, like I, I walk away. And, um, that's where Todd Tasky from Potomac Capital, I said, you're like a master angler, like a fisherman, aren't you? And he's like laughing. He's like, why? I'm like, because you reel me in right to that boat. But you know, when I start tugging away, like, you know, when to let the line out because it, it almost snapped multiple times, you know? So my, I give a hat off to him because, you know, it, it, it was an emotional, very emotional process. I mean, you got feelings of, man, I mean, I, I went some days questioning my own ability to like depression to like, why am I doing this? And what's my identity? Like, you name it, I experienced it. But now I'm seven months past. And it's like, I, I, I look back and it's, it's amazing. And like, we're, right. what we've been able to do and, and what, where we're at, it's like, I, I'm so happy with, with the outcome. Man, I so relate to what you're talking about there. These ups and downs in deals, there's so many things that can cause a deal to fail, right? And and that emotional roller coaster that people go on and, you know, and deal fatigue. Deal fatigue is a real thing. You know, people just get over it after a while. It's like, hey, if we can't get a deal done now, I'm out. I'm done. And so it's, yeah, it's it's great that you were able to kind of navigate that. And, and clearly there was enough connection and bond and value and similar values as individuals for you to to make that work so um one of the things that happened and i don't know if i ever told the new ceo scott bell this i might have or i might have mentioned it in a podcast you know it got to a point where like look i'm i'm gonna i'm a fast guy meaning like if i want to buy a new iphone like i'll buy it right now overnight at tomorrow and we're good to go like i'm not thinking twice about it and that's just how i live my life and uh it got to a point where i was like getting some cold feet and like a lot of emotions around it. And they were like really pressing me to like, I think it was sign the LOI or do something specific. And I'm like, look, you know, like I'm, I'm this close from walking away. And I told Todd, I said, you need to give me two weeks because this is a big decision that affects a lot of things. And a lot of people give me two weeks because I'll, I want to take the time, make sure I'm thinking clearly. And he's like, if you take two weeks, they're out, they're done. And I said, Two weeks and then I go, it's 11 and a half years. I said, if yeah. that's how they react, fine. Yeah. Long story short, I get a phone call a couple hours later and it's Scott, right? So this is the original guy I met the CEO and he's like, hey, he goes, I just want to let you know, um, I get what you're going through. Take as much time as you need. This is a big decision. And like that phone call we had, I'm like, this is a dude that we can, we can take over the digital marketing world together. Like, because I look at him as, as, you know, I'm transitioning out of the CEO, CEO role for him to be the CEO. Mm. And when I work with people, it's like, you know, it's like we're on a football team. Like, I'm going to block and tackle and knock guys' heads off for you. And, just, mm. you know, when he made that call, it made it real. It made everything like, you know what? This is exactly who I want to partner with. Um, and, and that changed the whole thing. I mean, and, and again, it, it was that close from snapping the line to mm. 
you know, fully back engaged. It's pretty wild. It's yeah. a wild, wild a emotion. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a fabulous insight because I think, you know, I've seen deals fail because people's egos get involved. And whether it's one party or the other or, quite frankly, sometimes the advisors, you know, or the lawyer or someone, you know, thinks that they've, they've got to be the hero of the moment and they're going to throw down and, you know, it's... Right. At the end of the day, you know, deals get done between willing buyer, willing seller who can form a lot of trust in a short period of time. And I think right. the only way you do that is actually acknowledge the human part of it, right? It's yeah. uh, reasonable people being reasonable. <laughs> so uh, no, that's right. a very, very cool story. And I really, really appreciate you sharing that with us. And, and I imagine too what you were saying before about that weight of being the owner coming off. I, I bet you now you've just got that much more capacity to be awesome at what you do. <laughs> It's like I I can't even describe it. You know, it's just a it's a it's a it's all a mindset. You know, and it's just uh, you know not that I need a parachute behind me. It's just I feel victorious for what we're able to do to this point. And I'm a big milestone guy. Like I used to be really big on like creating goals and you know checking the box, but now I'm really about like it's called the iterative mindset about just like putting in the work and not really caring as much about the goal. Just make sure you're doing the right things. And I'm in this really good, healthy, you know, family, business, life balance. And you know, I have four kids. I turned 40. Like, it, it's just like all good. It's finally like I feel pretty balanced and rounded out, which is which is kind of what I'm shooting for, right? I'm, you know, because for a while, it's just like, I mean, you know, and, you know, listeners know, like being an entrepreneur, it's it's lonely. It's it's not yeah. super sexy. It's It's hard. It's, you know. It you know so that victory was like man like we can we can do anything now and now it's like what's crazy is like you know he and I like there's so many things that we wanted to do but we were always at max capacity we couldn't do anything and the whole goal is like now we have 50 people we're gonna add on to our team with a bunch of smart leaders and executive like now we have the ability to really do what we want to do um, and I was really big on the people I mean my thing was. I kind of felt that I was limiting our own team for like growth and people want to grow and, and do different things. And I felt that by doing this and creating this opportunity now, of, of a, you know, now we have 118 employees, like that's a big opportunity for some of my early adopters. And I said, look, like how cool is it to be part of the story of we did six and a half million and now in 2021, we're now 118 strong and we're going to do 21 million in revenue. Like that's a big, big deal. Cause in my space, you have, some companies that do several hundred million dollars, or you have small boutique companies that do less than a million. And we're sort of in that middle space where we can mm. still move fast and execute and, and, and you know, and, and do really great work. So that's, that was exciting for me too, is like giving, giving the teammates that are really bought into high level marketing, like that next elevated opportunity yeah. for them to take and run with. They've come on the journey too, right? They're all evolving yeah. as humans as well as as, as employees. Uh, that's and, brilliant. And, and, and the crazy thing about it was, you know, I, I remember getting in front, and this is all through Zoom because this is like right in the mix of COVID. Mm. Um, I got in front of every department with their manager when they did their weekly meeting. And my reservation or hesitation, like I had a lot of anxiety around like, how is this person going to react? And quite frankly, the people I thought that were going to react negatively react very positive. And the ones that I thought were going to be very positive, it was the opposite. It was really bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was like such a great feeling to get the feedback because there were some people that said, I trust you. Like, yeah. I feel it. Like how you're talking about it and how convicted you are. And I've always been a very authentic and just a very like, 
you know, as a leader, like I'm just transparent and, you know, I, it just, it, it all just came full circle and, you know, not everybody was on board. I mean, a lot, there were some people that like, Hey, you know, why'd you blow up a great thing? But little do they know, like at the pit of my stomach, I didn't have the greatest feeling about what was coming in 12 mm. to 24 months if we didn't do anything. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's the lonely stuff you can't share with everyone. Right. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I'm cognizant of time, but I, and I really appreciate, appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this story i just think there's so many people out there you know we love helping business owners you know that we we truly believe they're the ones who change the world uh and i just know there's a lot of people on their journey who we either at the beginning of that sort of story or maybe even towards the end of it and, and sort of having the thoughts about do i sell do i partner what do i do next and yep. you know i just think sharing and hearing your story is going to help a lot of people sort of start to conceptualize maybe put a bit of Put a bit of a framework around some things they need to uh, to look at. So, and thank you very much for coming on and sharing that. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I love about what I did is, you know, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs are thinking about it, and the fact that I pulled the trigger and did it, and have you know real emotions around it, and the pre to the post, and you know, I, I love helping other entrepreneurs and being a backboard because you know. Uh, being part of entrepreneur organization, like one of their philosophies is like, you can't tell people what's good for them. All you can do is offer your own experience. And I think that experience and shares are how I learn from other people and just say, Hey, like, how did you do this? Or what would you do if you were presented with this, you know, challenge? And mm. you know, I, I just love entrepreneurs, you know, regardless of the widget or like their journey is just fascinating to me because it's yeah. uh, every little, you know, detail affects your decision-making and your thought process. And for sure, for yeah. sure. I, I can certainly relate to that. And I think too, you know, and, and obviously what we're trying to do even on this show and like EO and all the rest of it is that I think it's too easy for people to see the media or they hear from people and, you know, oh, uh, Bob started a business. Bob, you know, added water to the recipe and presto, he sold for 50 million bucks. And everyone goes, well, that all just sounds so easy. But, you know, right. really there's, you know, it's all the trials and tribulations and emotional roller coasters that you don't sometimes hear about. And so right. I think it can leave business owners wondering, you know, what's wrong with me? Why am I going through all this drama? Well, actually, right. they went through their drama as well, right? <laughs> just, right. They've exactly. just managed to come out the other side and they've got a story to tell. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, ho hopefully people will hear your story and it'll it'll help them on their journey. So, uh, so once again, thanks for making the time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. The ultimate freedom is to own a company that is valuable, scalable, and saleable. Find out how you score on the eight factors that drive company value by completing the Value Builder questionnaire. Upon completion, we will send through your business scorecard so you can see how to maximize the value of your company. Just go to exitadvisory.com.au forward slash scorecard. The Buy, Grow, Sell podcast is brought to you by Exit Advisory Group a boutique M&A firm that helps business owners maximize company value and exit at the top of their game. To learn more about Exit Advisory Group, you can go to exitadvisory.com.au. And if you like what you've just heard, you can subscribe at buygrowsell.com to get a new episode delivered to your inbox each week. Thank you for listening to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast with Simon Bedard. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit buygrowsell.com forward slash episodes. Simon is the founder and CEO of Exit Advisory Group, and you can follow him on LinkedIn.